This is The People's Show with Big Nazar and Randeep Janda. Nuh-uh. No Bic. No Sat. No Richo. No Jamie. No Jamie. None of the usuals here on The People's Show other than myself. Josh Elliott Wolf, though, who is behind the glass normally. Yeah. Like usual, I mean on this desk. We're not even streaming today. No. But you're on the other side, so welcome to the club. Thank you. It's uh, colder. It is. That's usually my main takeaway whenever I come in here is I'm like, oh, it's chilly. You're making it seem like we got some like VIP lounge that only hosts are allowed. This is <laughs> like a different part of the building. Yeah, I'm not It's a- literally like 10 feet away. This is the talent area. Not allowed in. Lena, very, have you ever been in here? Use loosely. I'm yes. only strictly talentless area behind the glass. Yeah, that's where I hang out usually. Yeah, talent is used very loosely here around these parts, so thank you for that acknowledgement, but come on, that's way too much respect. But welcome on this side. You are now in like the VIP lounge, which is not all that VIP here at the People's Show. 650-650. We were talking about, um, you know, breakout candidates earlier on in the show with the Vancouver Canucks, and we came with our list. You had Niels Hoaglander on there. I did. You also had uh, Travis Dermott, which was a bit of a shocker. Mm-hmm. And Connor Garland. Connor but Garland. Travis Dermott, he's going to have a good year. Okay. We're going to hold you. I'm not even say. paying attention to the other two. <laughs> no. Travis Dermott is the one that I'm going to be focusing on. And I had a bit of a shocker also. I went OEL. Mm-hmm. Canucks breakout, not NHL breakout. Pod Colson. And I forgot who else I had. You had Niels Hoaglander. There we go. Niels Hoaglander. That's right. We agreed on that one. Yes. So that kind of is that where we brought our opinions. The people also had their opinion. And this one coming in from Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen. Besser will have a breakout. He had success under Bruce last season and 82 games with Boudreaux this season will elevate Brock to a 35-goal season. Also coming in with Pod Colson, a couple of Russians joining the team, I think will elevate his play. And he also agrees that Hoaglander will be better as well. But on the Besser front, yeah, it was a step back for him last year. And we know for a lot of reasons. Off the ice was an extremely difficult year for Brock Besser. Extremely difficult. The contract is sorted. He's going to put his best foot forward moving forward here. He can focus on hockey. Had a chance to, to talk to him on this show about a month back after he signed that contract. And you can tell, obviously a difficult year for him, but looking forward to focus on hockey. We've all seen his shot over the years. We've seen him become a better player. And maybe that shot's not the same it was in his rookie year, but I think anybody watching him play, 200-foot game is much better than it was before. Breakout, though. Like, what's a breakout for Brock Besser? So, Chef Swagger has 35 goals. Would that be, would, would that be it? Would hit, you know, hitting 30 goals be it? I would say 35, especially if his defensive game stays sound. Like, if he can be a good defensive forward that hits 35 goals, has a pretty decent year, probably ends up, I would say, between 60 to 70 points, that's a breakout year because he hasn't... So his career high is 29 goals. That was obviously his rookie year. And then the year after, he got 56 points. Yeah. Um. And to be fair, the bubble year as well. He led the team in points. Yes. And he was he was probably the most consistent uh, consistent skater as well. Probably. So I, I think that's the thing as well, is you do want to see it was there in the bu- or in the bubble year, but it had the consistency 
And again, it's for a multitude of reasons. It's hard to really fault him for it, but the consistency wasn't really there last season. And you want to see that come back. Yeah, and there's you know an element of, I think this is always a question with Brock Besser, is just stay healthy, man. Mm-hmm. Just And he hit 70 games last year, which was big for him. But we know through a stretch of those games, it was also injury. There's a lot of things going on. But just being able to, on a couple of things, replicate the production of previous years, get into that 60-point range, get into that 65-point range, and just stay healthy. Those are the two important things. And I think in terms of breakout, I'll agree. 35 goals, I think, is going to be that. And 65 points. Yeah. If he can get in that range, that is something that you just want him to be to be somebody that brings it every single game. You're not wondering if Brock Besser is going to go MIA or if he's going to be you know, that guy that sometimes at a certain stretch throughout his career. I remember that game against... Colorado a few years ago it was Diwali night. I remember it was uh, it was you know all the goals in that game. Randy Bobblehead night. It I was think. Uh, just shy of that actually, <laughs> yeah. but that was the game where PD hit Besser with the bank pass off the boards, yeah. and they went toe to toe with Nate McKinnon that night. Yeah, it was a, it, like it was the best game of that season. It was, <laughs> and I think that's what you'll want more consistently of that chemistry of the Lotto line or whoever Brock Besser is playing with. Another text came in a little bit earlier talking about Mikheyev will have a breakout. I could see it. So that one's interesting, though, because I think everybody, everybody kind of looked at those numbers that he had last year and said, all right, that's a great year for him. Can he replicate that? And when that dollar figure came in for the Canucks at four and a half, a lot of people doubting that he could get to 20 goals consistently. They're like, hey, that's an overpay. And I'm a part of that. I think it's a slight overpay, but it's the type of player that they need. But if we're talking about a breakout for Ilya Mikheyev, what does that mean? Because to me, it's not necessarily about the raw numbers. No. A huge part of his payout is going to be on the PK. They were terrible in the PK at the beginning of the year. Historically bad. He should be able to change the way that they play as being one of the preferred preferred options on that forward group. So to me, yeah, numbers are going to matter. But if he gets 15 goals and he turns this PK into an aggressive goal-scoring PK, I think that's a breakout. Definitely. If, if he can help shore up the PK, be on that first unit, I'd like to see him on the first unit with Elias Pettersson uh, and just see if they can maybe create some offense because he was doing that a lot in Toronto last season. He was putting, he was putting the team in position to score way more on the penalty kill than most teams do. And he, he was obviously a big driver in that case. I do agree that the point totals won't be the biggest thing. That being said, I do think he'll, if if he does have a breakout year, and I do see that as a potential for him, especially because there's going to be more opportunity in Vancouver yeah. than there was in Toronto, I do think his point total could increase too. I don't know if he gets to 20 goals, but I could see just his overall point total increasing because he only had 11 assists last year. So 32 points, I could see him around 40, like similar to Pod Colson. Even looking at his, you know, his playmaking numbers and assist numbers in Russia, like they weren't... They're not huge. They're not huge. They're at the very least level with his goals. Like he's never going to get double the assist of his goals. Yeah, I just think it might even out a little bit. And maybe he hits 20 and 20. It's kind of what... And that would be, you know, I think I look at the goals and say, I don't mind 15 goals in a season, but can he get that... Is he still in that 40-point range? Because you're right in, in, in the sense that he's going to be playing probably... There's going to get opportunities in that top six occasionally. 
He's right? going to have a better center, better line mates here than he did in Toronto. So you expect him to put up some shorthanded points, probably get some shorthanded goals because that's what him and Engvall did in Toronto. But in that top six, uh, yeah, if they line up, Pedersen, Miller, Horvat down the middle, if they do that, if that's the lineup that Bruce Boudreau goes with, a lot of wingers are going to be being, they're going to be playing with some high-end centers. So I like the Mikheyev one. Um, the other one, Snoop the Dog, coming in with this one. Breakout line. Breakout line. That'd be Shutdown fun. and snipe line. Horvat, Besser, Mikheyev. I would be interested in seeing it because, uh, so in my mind so far, the, the only line I really want to see is, and just see it tried, is Pod Colson, Pedersen, Hoaglander. After that, I do think it, it's tough because I think Mikheyev's really going to help whatever center he plays with because I know Horvat, Horvat especially has this reputation of being a good defensive center, which he isn't really all that great. But he's if he has someone on his wing, I think he could actually improve that. So Mikheyev with Horvat would be interesting. I don't know if I would put Besser there especially if you're trying to get him to 35 goals. But maybe maybe that does help Mikheyev and Horvat kind of find that chemistry and maybe bumps up Hor- or Besser's totals a little bit too. I would like to see, and I mentioned this earlier on in the show, um, if you're talking about a just, just line that basically is going to be skill, it's going to be tenacious, it's going to be put in a work line, Mikheyev on one side, I like Pod Colson on the other. And I just wonder who the center on that line would be, though. Because Mikheyev shoots first. Pod Colson is a good playmaker, we know that. But he's got a great shot as well. Bo Horvat, to me, as we know, is a shoot-first center. Yeah, it, it seems like too many shoot-first guys. Exactly. Like, you want Pod Colson to be able to use that shot. So, I... The Horvat and Mikheyev could work, but then you're going to need somebody that play makes at the same time. Maybe that's Pod Colson. I, I don't know. Maybe you're just saying, hey, Pods, get the puck to these guys. But that seems a, a bit of a waste of his shot to me. Yeah, what I would say is probably, like, if you had Pod Colson and Mikheyev on the wings, I would say Miller maybe fits that a little bit better. Even though he, he has a good shot too, I just think he has more playmaking ability yeah. than Horvat does. So that would be interesting to see. And also McKay would help Miller as well on the defensive side. And right. so that, that would, that might be a combination that takes off a little bit. Uh, we got this one from greasy troll. Always love shouting out greasy troll. <laughs> yes. It's just a great name. What's a breakout season for Kuzmenko 20 to 25 goals. Woo. Uh, for a guy that's never played in the NHL. He's not a, and he's not really being marketed as a goal scorer either. He's kind of just a, a more of a playmaker. So I would say, Guy that's never played in the NHL. I feel like I keep saying 40 points, but I would say around 40 points. So his career high in Russia, in 45 games though, mind you. So mm-hmm. a point-per-game player was 53. And yes, predominantly a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Got good vision. Uh, let's see how that changes or doesn't change when he's playing in the NHL. A little bit less room. Different standard of play. We talked to Daniel Bachner, his assistant coach in Scott St. Petersburg, here on the People Show about a month ago, maybe a little bit more than that now. And he said the reason that Kuzmenko will be an NHL player or the reason that he's got a shot to be one is because of that shot. So rather than going playmaker, he actually said his shot is NHL level. 
So the 20 to 25, that raises my eyebrows a bit because his career high, mind you, in less games in the KHL was 20. Mm-hmm. So he, he didn't put up goals there necessarily, but he's being advertised by his own coach as the difference making or the thing that will make him stick in the NHL is that shot. I still go lower than that. I think if you can get, and this might be too conservative for many, my expectations are are pretty low with Kuzmenko because we haven't seen him play in the NHL. I'm going to say 12 to 15, probably in that range. If you get something from him chipping in, I think you're happy with that. You're you're okay with that. A breakout? Yeah, a breakout would be 20. But I think, what do I expect or what do I, what would you have a positive reaction to even? Like 12 to 15? I'd still be okay with that. Yeah, it would depend on the point totals as a whole. And I know the, the coach did say, hey, his shot is, is good. And I do think his shot will probably surprise people. But if he could be more of the playmaker, especially, I want to see Kuzmenko with Horvat. And because if Kuzmenko can be a good playmaker in the NHL, Horvat can have that shoot-first mentality, that would probably go a long way in helping Horvat boost his goal, total, goal totals and helping him kind of reach his potential as well. Not that he has before. I think it's kind of going to be a similar year. Yeah. But the issue is you would probably have to find a more defensively responsible winger to play on that right side or left side or opposite of Kuzmenko's. Can you say Tanner Pearson? Oh, the resurrection when Tanner Pearson from the fourth line, potentially, if he's he not going to do anything bad. Hey, we can say whatever we want, but remember the insurance line. Yeah. What was, what was the benefit of that line? Dang, they were so good defensively. I didn't ask for it. Don't at me. But Bring when, when you say defensively responsible, that's immediately popped into my mind. All right, we got uh, we got a lot of um, text coming in here, 650-650. If Kuzmenko scored 10 goals and was a plus 20 on the season, I would consider that a breakout season. It is different. Like, his bar is, I think expectation is one thing because he was extremely coveted when it came to the European free agency class. But nobody really knows anything until he hits the ice. He could end up scoring like 50 points, 50, 60 points, and I'd be like, wow, this is amazing. I had no idea. It, it's so hard to predict. Or he could flame out. We like he could we be have the no next, idea. Yeah, like, yeah, legitimately. He could be the next Fabian Brunstrom, and we'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah I guess yeah. that could happen too. And you still take the chance 10 times out of 10 because it's a super cheap contract, but it, I, I don't know. He's one of the guys that's going to be really interesting for me all season just because if he can be better than expected – then this whole this team as a whole, which is already going to be relying on its offense, that just makes the offense even better and maybe puts it a little more over the top into a playoff spot. A lot of great texts coming in. Keep them coming. Uh, before we get to re- regression candidates, uh, I love this text from Marcus and Gibsons. Breakout season, how about Bruce Boudreaux? It's a chance to show Canucks brass he is a structured coach and can lead his team to the playoffs and beyond. Okay, when you have one of the highest winning percentages in regular season history, it's tough to break out. But I think his point about structure, mm-hmm. and we heard Boudreaux's comments after the season of saying, hey, I'm going to make an effort to use analytics more, and all of that. I think there's a point of the NHL thinks this about me. I can break through the limitations I have and show that I can I can coach a different way. There is structure to what I can coach. There is an element of, I'm not just a feel coach. I don't go by what I think I feel, but here's the data to back it up. He does have to prove something. There's no question. It's He almost has to prove that he can buy in to what Alvin and Rutherford are doing. 
Because if he can't buy in, they're going to say, hey, we like you, Bruce, but you're not the coach for us. Even if his winning percentage is good. But that, yeah, you're right. That being said, he just has to show that he can have consistent structure on the team. And if he can do that, hey, maybe he's around for a couple more years. It also, his whole age is kind of an issue just in regards to... Tell Jim Rutherford that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> Get Jim Rutherford behind the bench. Uh, but I, I don't know. It, it, it's tough because I don't know if he can prove... He can't really prove anything more to the fans because I think all the fans are 100% bought in. But he has to prove to management that he is their guy. Yeah, and if they do get to the playoffs and he does win around based on the adjustments he makes, I think that would be a breakout for him because those are kind of the skeletons in his closet of when he gets to the playoffs, he's outcoached. Mm-hmm. That's a long ways away. Like If they're in the playoffs, I think that's a win for the Canucks and then you worry about the next problem or the next iteration or the next you know, progress for Bruce Boudreau, but uh, interesting thoughts there from Marcus and Gibsons. All right, regression candidates. Where there's positive, there will always be negative as well. Yep. Josh, who you got on your list? Okay, so my first one I think is an obvious one. We got a few texts about it too. It's the 99-point guy, JT Miller, mm. who I'm not saying he's going to regress to 60, 70 points. I think he could still be point per game. It's just going to be really, really hard to replicate that season. I'd be very happy if he did because that means if the Canucks do need to trade him, they're not too worried about it. But that being said, it's it's going to be really hard for him to do it again. Um, should I say my next Yeah, go okay. through the list. All we'll, right. We'll break it down after. So my next one, OEL, who Come on, man. <laughs> was on your breakout list. He's on my regression list. I don't think – I'm not saying he's going to be a negative defenseman. I just don't think he's going to – I think if he's stuck, and I mentioned this earlier, if he's stuck with Tyler Myers again, it's going to be – that that pairing as a whole is going to take a bit of a step back. Not a huge one. He's just going to regress a little bit, and that's it's kind of expected. He's an older defenseman, not super old, but relatively old. And while I do want to see him take another step forward, I just don't know if that's going to happen. And then my last one, bit of a hot take – and I want to caveat this with saying, I don't think he's going to be horrible. I'm going to say Spencer Martin. I think people are penciling in it, him in as the backup of the future, kind of, which isn't a high bar to say someone's the backup of the future. But I think though he had a really good year and his limited showings last year in the NHL, I think he's going to be a bit more exposed this year. I trust Ian Clark completely. I just wonder if he can – he doesn't have to replicate what he did li- last year. I just don't know if he can be as good as he was. And the Canucks might need him to be as good as he was. So I could see him regressing a little bit, just being an average to below average backup. Yeah, just, when you when you have a 950 save percentage. It's, it's hard not to <laughs> regress. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's the reality. But start with JT Miller because that's what we do. We, we talk about JT Miller. 99 points and – even his most recent interview on the Drop in the Gloves podcast with John Scott, he acknowledged 99 points, getting near 100 points. Never thought he would do that. He, he thought he'd be in the 80 range. He thought he was progressing in that direction. But 99 was, wow, like this is, this is awesome. I think a lot of the NHL feels the exact same way. When you start polling you know, folks about who their favorite player is versus who are the best players, I think JT Miller for a lot of Canucks fans, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think favorite pops up on the list because 
there's a real pride to his game. And for every, I, I know the texts are coming in about his back checks and all that, but he plays a certain style of game. He's a playmaker. He's a goal scorer. He's a, you know, a passionate player and he plays in all situations, which is just something that this team needs. They need some heart, really. Mm-hmm. And he's shown that over the last couple of years, but he's also put up major points. But 99 points, the near 100-point club, that's rarefied air. And for a guy that, I understand progression is a thing. You work your way up to a level. I don't know if he can get in the 90-point range or 95-point range. So to me, I agree with you on that one because that's a player that he can be damn good for the rest of his career. He can be a point for point per game player, but 100 points or near 100 points, even above 90 points, he's still got to sell me that he's got that staying power. It screams peak season. You know, that, hey, like, this was the best you can do. You might get close to it again, but you had this amazing year. Everything went right for you. And when you have a season like that, when you're not a guy that reaches around that range very often... A lot of it is kind of luck-based. And in any given season, that luck might go the other way. And that's not to say he's going to fall off completely because I think we both think he can be around point per game again. It's just it's so hard to get to 99, 100 points in the NHL, especially when you're at the age he's at and not really taking more steps forward. You might stagnate for a bit at a very high level, but I can't see him getting better. So he did a great job of shutting out the noise last year, right? From the trade deadline on, put up points. Didn't matter if anybody was talking about trade. This year's different. This year is your actual contract year. And us media in Vancouver, we're the worst. We're going to ask him about it all the time. From his mouth, he said it on the podcast. (laughs) We are, we're not, apparently we make up things. But anyways, this is going to be a, a topic of conversation. And according to Rick Dollywell, who tweeted this out earlier, one question looming is whether or not JT Miller's agent, Bartlett, Brian Bartlett, will cut off contract talks once the regular season starts. Here's a quote from Bartlett. I've not talked to JT about that yet, but it's a realistic possibility. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Is a lot of agents, a lot of players will say, not during the season. Mm-hmm. It's a leverage play. Of course it is. You add a deadline. Every Things happen because of deadlines. But... I think once you start the season, once you start the season, the pressure on the player starts as well. And some guys are great at just shutting it out and saying, focus on the game. I don't care about the contract. But at the same time, everybody's a little different. And it does kind of seep its way into maybe the thought process or maybe, you know, those conversations. That noise can affect people. When you're one year removed from a contract, that's different. When you're on an expiring deal and... Trade conversation is going. Extension conversation is going. Conversations about your future are going. Uh, you know, different players do react different ways. So something to watch on that. I'm not saying that's a, a reason for regression, but it's an added stress during the season, which players generally don't want that. They want the security. Yeah, and I will say JT seems like a guy that could thrive under the pressure, but that, like, you don't know until it's happening. And it... it there's a stretch of maybe some not-so-great play from him. Sometimes for players in that position, it can snowball a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're having a bad year. So we'll have to wait and see. And 
I do I do agree with the decision to put a deadline on things. We'll have to see if it actually forces anything to happen, though. Yeah, we'll get uh, more reaction on this as well. We got a bunch of text rolling in on regression candidates. Uh, but coming up next, the local legend, Don Taylor, going to be talking Canucks, Lions, and a lot more here next on The People Show. This is The People Show with Bick Nazar and Randy Janda. That's right, it's The People Show, Randy Janda, Josh Elliott Wolf, doing a great job filling in for Sat Shaw today. Thank you. So far, so good. You haven't left the station yet. You haven't stormed out of here. That's the goal. That was the bar, and I crossed it. Hey, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. We still got some time left. <laughs> got an hour show, and right? a half for me exactly. to leave. Things can still happen. Uh, it is the People Show. Always love you joining the conversation. Six fifty, six fifty. I gotta say, Josh, I'm a little sad. Saw a news story today, and it kind of knocked the air out of me a little bit. You were taken aback. I was taken aback. City News Vancouver had an article on this. I think a bunch of other news stations are now doing it as well. Those little donuts, the staple at the PNE, has been rejected by the PNE for this upcoming. Fair season, 2022. And you know what donuts I'm talking about. The little... Yes, mini donuts. Mini donuts. Like, when I say mini donuts, you know exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. They are delectable. Is that a word? Delectable? Yeah. yeah it's like delicious, but okay, actable wow. instead. Okay. That's unbelievable. I didn't know that. <laughs> Taught me something. They will not be back at the p and And, okay, I used to work there. I worked there for like seven years. So you got first-hand experience. I fattened myself on those donuts for years. I used to take them home. For a lot of people, even growing up, when you'd go to the fair, it was one of the things you'd buy. Yeah. I always got them too. Anytime I went, I didn't work there, but anytime I went, I would get the little donuts. And the reason that they're saying that they won't be back is because, this is a quote apparently, the Peony Food Committee, I'd love to be on the food committee. <laughs> Dude, that would be amazing. Regrets to inform you that your applications have not been accepted to participate at the Peony Fair as we already have similar products. Wow. Do you but think they're if, the donuts. Yeah. Do you think if we, like, you would think every year it'd just be a formality. Like, hey, make sure to get the donut guy. Make sure to contact Those him. little donuts. Yeah, bring him in. Are they changing it up? Is it a new person that made this decision? I don't understand. Because Somebody from you, Toronto made this decision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. How can you improve on it? You know what I mean? Maybe they want to like create buzz, like, hey, we got this new donut provider. They're all the rage or whatever. You're getting negative you, buzz. You go to a fair for nostalgia half of the time, don't you? Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. I, I am shocked by that decision. I hope I hope to see those little donuts at the p Fairgrounds. I, I'm very curious to get the thoughts of one Don Taylor, of Donnie and Dolly and Check TV, in the next few minutes here. Because I don't know if you've heard, but Donnie is from North Burnaby. Is he? He is. I don't, has he mentioned it? Just once or twice. Okay. So not all that far away from the peony. I want to get his thoughts on this because I feel like I feel like he'll be ticked off. He's got takes. I think yeah. So. I mean, I'm kind of mad, and I barely go there. You're because I was in Chilliwack. It was always a drive. Yeah. You worked there. You're mad. Yeah. It, and it, you know, it made me much bigger than I was probably <laughs> supposed holds, to be. But it's still, Donnie holds everything BC near and dear to his heart. I can't see this not impacting him. Okay, you know how we think of the wooden roller coaster at the PE as like the venue, the ride at the PE or the Playland? 
I feel like those little donuts are kind of the food version of that. I and like pretty close. Maybe yeah. not a maybe not a one for one Taylor Hall versus uh, you know Adam, <laughs> Adam Larson. Larson. It yeah. might be actually be that trade. There, think about well, it. well, there's it's probably yeah that's probably the most apt comparison because there's always new and fun food trucks, but you can just compare that to like a new and fun ride. Yeah. So I don't know. All right, uh, we need to get to the bottom of this with Don Taylor, Donnie and Dolly, and Check TV back on September sixth as well. Donnie, need to get your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Report coming out that those little donuts at the Peony will not be back this year. The little donuts. Uh, you're a North Burnaby guy, not that far away from the Peony. Uh, your thoughts on this? Are you outraged as I am? Yep, I went to the Peony a lot as a kid. Didn't far. I didn't live that far away from uh, the Peony and the Coliseum and all of that. Does it take them? Like, how many years has the Peony been around? Like uh, five billion? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But does it take them that long to figure out that the little donuts aren't that good for you? Is that what it is? Like, I can't, you know, I heard you, I, I heard you just moments ago uh, talking about how they've got other food choices that are similar. Like, wouldn't they, like, be the original little donut? And wouldn't they have dibs on that? Like, like, what, like I, I don't get somebody come along and make a better donut. These are the, the, those are the original donuts. It starts there. And then you shoot off from there. This is a travesty. What's next? Is the dog show canceled too? No, don't say it. Don't say it, Donnie. Yeah. Come uh, on. Okay. Stop it. Uh, me and you, uh, I think we, I'll volunteer you for this. Uh, if they would mm-hmm. need people to test out the donuts and see if they taste like those little donuts, uh, I, I yeah. put my hand up. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I probably had a few too many of those <laughs> o- o- over the years. That's a problem. They're so good. The only thing that I've come across that, okay, that I've come across that comes close to that. They're delicious. As I get older, you try to stay away from them, but it's hard to resist. Have you ever been to these these Mr. Pretzels places in the malls? Yep. Oh, my God. Like, the smell is kind of similar. They're really good. They're, they're, and my kids go and get them. They get the metabolism. They can handle it. They're, they're close. Maybe that's what's taking over. I don't know. Maybe that's the similar product that's taking over. Yeah. Possibly, but that's a that's a Vancouver tradition. I, was it not politically correct or something to have those donuts there? Like I don't know. Uh, it's just that that's really sad. It, it, it's too bad. Look, uh, I don't know about you guys, but one of my reasons to get one one of the things that got me started in broadcasting or interested in broadcasting were the guys with. Remember the guys that used to um, sell the knives. And yep. they were incredible pitchmen. They'd have a microphone attached, like almost like a, with the way a harmonica is attached uh, to a, a musician like Neil Young. And they'd go do their spiel about how this knife, the Ginsu knife, whatever it was, could cut through a frying pan. <laughs> you could cut through an anvil. And they were really good broadcasters. I loved the way they talked. And, and, and it was one of the things that really attracted uh, me to the whole idea of talking for a living. I love those guys. I love the donuts. I love the dog show. Come on, keep it all. Uh, one other thing that I love all that. I love that. That's the story. There was, okay. My, during my generation, it was like the ShamWow guy, like the ShamWow yeah. guy. Yeah. 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 He would yeah. show up and put the, like the, the, the mic on and the whole thing and just, you know, spill a bunch of juice on the counter. And, and so I, I hear oh. you. I think yes, he's got no, 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 absolutely. Yeah, this, I, I, I'm not that old. I do remember the sham. Remember the Shamwell guy on TV, of course, uh, on, on the commercial station. But yeah, I remember that of the peony as well. And those guys are really talented. They were great in their own way. When I mean, they were pitchmen, but they were great actors. They were great broadcasters. I really, really liked that. Uh, another guy that's really talented, Nathan Rourke, had a 
led the BC Lions to a comeback win. What did you uh, What did you think of that game on Saturday? It was the mini donuts of uh, games as far as the BC Lions quarterbacks go through through history. I tweeted this out. I, I'm I have to believe that is the that was the biggest, most impressive Lions win since the 2011 Grey Cup. There hasn't been a whole lot there, and I realize the season was lost, but that's a long time. And I just, I, there was one game where I thought to myself, even with Rourke there, I know it's a short sample size, but I just thought, okay, it's not there today. There were the two interceptions. There was the pick six. Just things didn't seem, you know, Butler wasn't there. Things just didn't seem to be going right. And then what about after the Burnham touchdown where it looked like, well, they were within two or three points. They give up a touchdown on the ensuing kick. It's over. And then they come back like that. I, I, it was, it was really jaw dropping. That that to me was just such an impressive win. The most impressive, I think, since what they did in, in 2011, which again was a whole, was a long, long time ago, their great cup win at BC place. It's really special. And then, then you hear these stories about, and this, when is the last time this happened? Maybe there was a little run on Jonathan Jennings jerseys that they ran out of Nathan Rourke jerseys recently. They had to restock. Pretty special. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure why people are buying them, if they're buying them for the right reasons, because they love the guy or because they expect it to be a real kitschy collector's item when he goes to the NFL. But bottom line, we're seeing a lot of things right now from that team that we haven't seen in a long, long time. Absolutely. In the entertainment value, to your point, you know, we had a couple of questions on Friday saying, hey, for the winter and for the playoffs and as as the weather gets colder, they got to run the ball. And I understand yeah. that from a winning perspective. But right now, the ability to throw the ball and the four options that they have at wide receiver, I, I want to see them throw it. It's such entertaining football to see what those guys in the secondary can do as well. Well, you, who's, you know, who, like I know Brian Burnham is there. He's one of the all-time great receivers in, in Lions history and CFL history. Well, I guess he's the go-to guy, but do you think defenses are thinking that? I think uh, uh, they had, what, five receivers with five catches or more on the weekend. Uh, I, I might have that stat wrong. The point is, who do you cover? And, yeah, you know, if you, yeah, when the weather gets colder, they got to – let's not forget that Butler is a darn – James Butler is a darn good running back, so they can run the ball. Their offensive line has been strong. They struggled at the beginning against Calgary, but they made adjustments. It just seems that everything's, everything's there, including – uh, a lot of question marks for any opposing defense. Who is he going to, you know, give the ball to? Who is he going to pass the ball to? Is he going to run himself? There's just a whole lot there. Yeah, and I, I was looking at Nathan Rourke's stats pre-show, and it's he's first in passing yards by 500 yards, first in passing TDs by five. He's top yeah. ten in rushing yards and second in rushing touchdowns around the CFL. He's just been so amazing, but. Anytime somebody's this good in the CFL, you kind of wonder, is there an NFL shot coming up? And if he keeps performing at this level, could it be sooner than we think? Well, a couple of things. Number one, those stats, the guys, you can, you know, I've been off for 700 weeks, so you can help me out here. But they're seven and one, and in the games played category, they're behind most teams in the CFL. Yep. They've had two bye weeks already. So how impressive is that? And secondly, if it does happen for him, uh, you know, if there's an NFL opportunity, uh, unless uh, a mark and buck up big time under the salary cap, what does that leave you with? I'm not so sure, but you, you, you wouldn't blame him for giving it a shot. And initially when I, when I thought that over the first two or three games and boy, this kid looks good. And 
you know, he's, he's played, you know, American college football. You would think he would want a chance regardless of nationality of playing in the national football league. He looks small out there, but then you see he's listed at six two two oh five two ten. That's, that's not bad. That's the, he's not five ten. He's not. And, you know, I, I, my apologies to everybody who's, you know, you know, five eleven and under, but I mean, that's not, that's not overly small. I, it just it just seems inevitable. So enjoy him, enjoy him while you can. Maybe he goes down there, doesn't work out, he comes back. But you'd have to think he's going to give it a shot. But man, it's just so much fun right now. So soak it in, enjoy it. Maybe it's a Doug Flutie situation where he does spend a lot of time in the CFL before going down again, uh, or Jeff Garcia. But you'd have to think one day it's going to happen. He is the draw right now, not only in Vancouver, not in BC, but the CFL. Question is, in a couple of weeks' time, about 11 days from now, the BC Lions come back to play in Vancouver against the Rough Riders. Donnie, what kind of crowd are we going to see? Because there is buzz. You know, non-CFL diehards, even like myself, I'll admit that, are paying attention, they're watching, but will it mean butts in the seats? Well, in a bad year, Saskatchewan draws. And, you know, it's a weekend game, uh, if I've got that right. So you'd have to think that right there you're going to have a sizable crowd, you know, because everybody who grew up in Saskatchewan loves it so much, they move out here when they get older. But so you'd have to think that right there, there's going to be a sizable crowd. Add to that, and it depends on what they do in the next couple of weeks too, but add to that just the excitement that this kid is creating. And it's not just him. It just seems to be infectious with him that everybody is playing. Well, there's a lot of talent there. The coaching seems really, really solid. And you, you, and Amar is doing all the right things. It all starts with him. Let's let's, let's be honest here. Um, that you you have to think if there was ever a time when they they were going to get a decent crowd, save the season opener when they had uh, one Republic there. Okay, so maybe that was a bit artificial. If there was ever a time, that would have to be it. Maybe a lot might depend on the weather, but I would think there would be ticket sales before that. I hope they hype it up well, and I hope they get a big crowd. That would, if they did, that would be a major disappointment. Yeah, it would be really nice to see if they did get that big crowd uh, and kept it moving forward. I did want to. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but there's a picture going around about the uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame, and uh, they have the posters up of the Sedins and Roberto yeah. Luongo right next to it. The Sedins obviously yeah. wearing Canucks jerseys, uh, but Luongo in a Panthers jersey. Is that is that fair or foul? Should he be wearing a Canucks one with them? What do you think? Well, I guess the NHL is trying to spread the wealth a bit. Um, but uh, I just have to wonder, even though he went to a Stanley Cup final, even though he had so much success in Vancouver, uh, where do you think, you know, Roberto's heart is? Uh, I mean, he said his contract sucked here. He wanted to go back to, to Florida. It, his wife's from Florida. He obviously loves it there. Um, we saw what he had to say uh, about the community after the horrible shootings there. That community obviously means a lot to him. It, uh, that team, that organization, he works works for them again, and now, still still there. It obviously means a whole lot to him, probably as much as it might hurt. He is a Canadian, but it probably means more to him than the Canucks. I think the Canucks mean a whole lot to him, given all the success he had here. But I think Florida means more. I'm not, I, I when I saw that, as somebody who grew up in Vancouver, forget the broadcasting part of me. As a fan, I wasn't insulted by it. I understand it. It just seems, it just seems maybe a little more hurtful for some Canuck fans. 
because it's Florida. Like who, who you know, like you'd think to yourself, like who, who wants, wants to be connected to that franchise? But obviously there's at least one person who does. And his numbers, if you look at them in Florida, there was a god-awful team in front of him where, you know, I remember having Dor- Darcy Hordichuk on this show at one point asking about Luongo, and he said, we had no business on certain nights playing in front of this guy. Like, he had yeah. to deal with 40-plus shots a game. We were a, a bad team. So even though those teams were bad, Luongo was still so elite on a bad, bad team, even early on in his career where, you're right, I think his heart was just set on it, but he was a damn good goalie while he was there too. Yeah, I, I always remember when when he was acquired by the Canucks and everybody we had on, you know, you know, from the National Hockey League, every expert we had on back in the day, the old talk show, the uh, funny station there, uh, everybody said, you're not going to, be- nobody knows about this guy, relatively speaking, you're not going to believe how good he is. He is just amazing. And they all said to a person that what just what Darcy Hordichuk said, there are games that Florida had no business being in. He stopped 50 shots and they'd win 2-1 or lose 2-1. Uh, and, and so, yeah, there was uh, there was a lot, a lot of, I guess, individual success there for Roberto Luongo. Probably a lot of nights where he was just on fire and he, you know, met his extended family there, met his wife there. And a lot of, I guess there's a lot of good memories there. It's just, again, given the history of that franchise, it might be hard to believe. It might be considered an insult by a lot of people, but it's just reality. All right, Donnie, before we let you go, I saw, you know, you sent out a tweet a couple of days ago talking about what you've been doing during this hiatus of Donnie and Dolly. And yes, yes. Watching shows. Number one on your list is Better Call Saul. Uh, yeah. Where are you in the series? Are you caught up? Are you ready for the finale? I believe it's coming out tonight. Yes, I, I, I'm, I, well, I don't want to, you know, but uh, yes, I'm all, I'm all caught up. I I've, uh, uh, saw the last episode going into the final episode, episode 13 okay. of the final season. You know, Carol Burnett playing a major role. There's somebody that I grew up with uh, uh, watching. It's just outstanding TV. And I realized that when I put that down there, number one, I realized I, realized I wasn't exactly being original. I think a lot of people feel it's, it's the best show on TV. And, uh, it, you know, it, 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 it didn't start out gangbusters, but it just got better and better. And, man, it, it's been so good. Yeah, somebody who appreciates comedy, I know you do as well. Like, it's a funny show. Saul Goodman is a, is a great character. So, all right, well, enjoy the finale. I, I will. The, the episode where um, the, the, the gentleman who plays Carol Brad's daughter was ripping off the expensive yep. stores and he fell in the mall and he was watching. He had to, he had to uh, keep the security guard's attention. I'm not explaining it well, yeah, yeah. but that, that scene there was, uh, it was Emmy award winning. It was amazing. Yeah, I look. I'm looking forward to the finale as well. It's gonna be. It's gonna be good TV. So we'll uh, enjoy that. Enjoy the uh, the break until September 6th, and we'll talk to you again soon. You bet. You bet, guys. Thanks a lot. Anytime, a lot of fun. There he is, Don Taylor, talking about Better Call Saul, calling about uh, mini donuts as well. We got a lot of text on the mini donuts. Apparently, we were wrong. Um, we I don't were, know if we were wrong. I don't know if we were wrong, but there are apparently, and this is according to. Uh, a texter. <laughs> there will be mini donuts. There are three other vendors, including the original vendor since 1968. That's from the donut hole. Yes. Is that that that's okay to say. I right? think it is. Yeah. I was just, I wasn't sure. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, I, I will say, I thought those little donuts was the original. As long as the original is still around, I think I'm okay. Yeah, and we got um, a bunch of people saying, hey, there's going to be other vendors as well. Nonetheless, nonetheless, 
I guess a taste test will have to prove if they are darn those little donuts. We'll have to do it. All right, sign me up. Let's get in touch. Call my agent. Uh, we didn't do this before. I planned it, but we got to do this. For entry into the People's Show Fantasy Football League, two teams, or sorry, two leagues, 24 teams. Imagine that. Two, two teams. teams. It's a very exclusive league. Two leagues, 24 teams, playing against Vic, myself, citizens of the People's Show. There's going to be more information to come on the league, but your chance to win entry into this exclusive league has been taking place over the last week. It continues this week as well. Josh... The reigning champion, the Turf Trivia champion, is Surrey Fraser Heights, to be specific. I used to live there. Really? For a year. Okay. In a basement suite. It was good times. Yeah, it's, it's a nice place. All right, there we go. Fraser Heights, Josh, vouches, vouches for you. So you I got moved that. there. What's the question for Turf Trivia? All right, so the question is, when was the last time the BC Lions started a season with a record of 7-1 and one or better through their first eight games? Seven and one or better through the first eight games for the BC Lions. Don't call us 650, 650 on the text line. The right answers are going to be put into a random draw, and we're going to pick a winner that's going to gain entry into the People's Show Fantasy Football League. Last year's champion, Darren, is already in the league. We've got a handful of other people that won last week. Five more chances all this week. I get people texting me saying, hey, man, get, get me into that league. I want to be back into that league, or I want to get into that league. You got to win your way, or eventually, I'll have more information on this a little bit later on. Bribe your way with some good deeds, but can you win your way in? 650, 650, hit us up, and we're going to announce the winner on the other side. On the other side as well, uh, we're going to have a little bit more conversation on regression candidates. And beyond that as well, you kind of, you did ask Donnie about that Hall of Fame poster that's up in Toronto. Shout out to Amrith Gill, my colleague on Hockey Night Canada, Punjabi, who tweeted that photo out. The Sedins and Roberto Luongo. One jersey for the Sedins, obviously. I would hope so. Yeah, It wasn't Moto. They were not they, in they Panthers could, jerseys. They could have picked Moto. They could have. They, they could have picked Team Sweden. What a slap in the face that would have been. Could you imagine that? Uh, we're going in as Moto yeah. players. We do not represent Vancouver. They'd never do that. Uh, Roberto Luongo, though, pictured in a Panthers jersey. And Canucks fans kind of flipping out. Some of them, anyways. Kind of losing it. Uh, you heard Donnie's thoughts. We'll come with ours in a little bit. But get those texts in for Turf Trivia. We'll be back on The People Show.